Good morning. This is Alan, VK5 Mike Alpha Kilo. I attended the WIA AGM and forums at Handorf. I found it a very interesting as it was my first attendance. The forums were very informative and sometimes entertaining, including the Sunday afternoon displays and the Horace Balloon Lunch. To the VK5 Club's organizing committee, a big round of applause for the efforts they put in and the results they achieved. Well done, everyone. Now that the WIA has a new board selected by the membership, it is time for the bickering to be put aside and we, the members, get behind them with all our support. They have a steep climb ahead of them. From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Yes, it certainly seemed to be a great weekend down there in handoff for the WIA AGM and convention. We'll have more news from the new board in this edition of WIA National News for week commencing June 4, 2017. I'm Graham VK4BB. Torrential monsoonal rain in southwestern Sri Lanka last Sunday sparked a flood and landslide disaster with an urgent call for help received by the Radio Society of Sri Lanka. RSSL President Jalaya 4S7JL got an emergency call from the Road Development Authority seeking help from radio amateurs. The RSSL reports that emergency communications were needed to link remote Kalawana, one of the worst hit areas, and Ratanapura. All communication had failed, roads were impassable with only air rescue by Sri Lankan Air Force helicopters, and four radio amateur volunteers were flown to the scene from Colombo. It was a hard task, but within just 30 minutes of landing, an HF link was established. For two days, it coordinated rescue flights, the movement of patients from Kalawana Hospital to Ratnapura, and food drops. The disaster aftermath continues with the deaths of 177 people and thousands of displaced survivors. Off we go, into the wild blue yonder. Ham Radio Aviator departs for round-the-world trip. The Brian Lloyd WB6 RQN flight commemorates 80 years since Earhart. Miami, Florida, USA, June 1, 2017. As pilot Brian Lloyd propels his single-engine plane named Spirit into the sky on a solo round-the-world adventure, he commemorates Amelia Earhart's famous flight 80 years ago, on this date in 1937. He's communicating live via radio with ham operators whilst flying. The two-month flight will follow Earhart's historic route to circumnavigate the world. It starts in Miami, skirts the chain of Caribbean islands, then along the coast of South America, crosses the Atlantic eastward, then onward around the world following the equator, including a stop in Townsville, VK4. Now, whilst he's on the air using the call sign WB6RQN, Brian encourages ham radio operators to contact him on the frequencies which are shown in this week's WIA National News. Coda Wireless, an Australian firm specialising in connected vehicle technologies, is set to supply Cadillac with its vehicle-to-everything communications technology, allowing the 2017 Cadillac CTS to communicate with the vehicles and infrastructure around it. The world-first deal with General Motors' luxury arm will see the South Australian firm supplying Cadillacs with the components. The technology allows the driver to know what's going on with other vehicles that may be speeding, braking hard, broken down or navigating slippery road conditions and, by providing advance notice of the hazard, the driver has time to avoid it by changing lanes or slowing down. Powering the heart wirelessly. 
Jacinta Bowler, writing in Science Alert, has told a story attributed to researchers at Queensland University of Technology. She says, if at some point in your life you end up needing a heart pump, such as a ventricular assist device, a VAD, you'll notice pretty quickly there's a cable that comes out of you, connecting the pump to its control unit and battery. The researchers have invented a wireless power transfer system which would limit the need for a constant cable into your body. On the outside of the body, you'd have a transmitter and battery which you could wear in a jacket or holster, and on your inside, you'll have a coil receiver attached to the pump. No cables required. Off the air in the Red Centre, Alice Springs Amateur Radio Club in the Northern Territory has two repeaters on West Gap. West Gap is the site for most of the town's radio and telecommunication antennas and is easily visible from most parts of the Alice. But both repeaters are inoperable whilst refurbishment of their location is being undertaken. This according to a notice posted last Sunday the 28th of May in wia.org.au. No word as to how long there will be dead air in the Territory on these repeaters. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. WIA Board Talk, WIA Trial Exams getting plenty of use. Over the past three weeks, 140 people have logged on to register for the WIA Trial Exams with feedback from them asking the initiative be expanded. In response, Immediate Past Director Fred Swainston, VK3DAC, has now uploaded two advanced licence trial exams and a regulation trial exam to add to the existing standard level exams. He advises that following requests a couple of foundation licence exams will join them soon. Details how you can log on are in this week's text edition of this broadcast at wia.org.au. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, from the Spectrum Strategy Committee with a plea for help, as foreshadowed on last week's broadcast. As you know, the Federal Government's process for developing a new Radio Communications Act is underway, with the Department of Communications and the Arts releasing an extensive package of information on its website, right on the eve of the WIA's annual general meeting in Handorf. The Department is seeking stakeholder feedback, with a closing date for submissions of 30th June 2017. Every licensed amateur, and even prospective amateurs, are stakeholders. Anyone with an interest, and that includes you, can make a submission to the Department of Communications. A submission is being prepared by the WIA's Spectrum Strategy Committee on behalf of the amateur radio community. The committee needs your help to assist in developing the submission from the WIA. A new consultation page is now up on the WIA website to enable you to submit to the Institute your views on what the government is proposing. Share with us what you feel may affect amateur radio. As the Spectrum Strategy Committee needs to develop the WIA's submission, our consultation page for your input will necessarily only be open until the 20th of June. If you haven't already done so, download the package of papers from the Department of Communications website. The information papers provide a lot of explanation in plain language, which will help you gain some understanding. It is wise to remember that nothing is set in concrete yet. It will likely take a couple of years for the transition between what is in place now and the brave new world the government envisages. You can reach the WIA's consultation page from the latest news list on the home page of the WIA website. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA. 
and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Greetings from David Ford, VK4 Mike Zulu, the Institute's new Vice President. Last week we heard from the Institute's new President, Justin, who told us about the WIA's pursuit of transparency and membership inclusion. Through an analogy of rowing, where the board steers rather than rows, Justin shared that the board will collectively look to its members and committees to support the Institute and take courage of the organisation moving forward. One of our many roles as board members is to ensure that you all have a chance to shape the future of amateur radio in Australia and that the processes of involvement are true and fair. This week, I'll talk a little bit about looking forward, a little bit about looking backwards, and a little bit about what you can do now. First, looking forward. Many of you have been in strategic planning sessions before, and they are often extended meetings with much pontification in the form of, where are we now, where do we want to be, and how do we want to get there? They can be abstract, but they are a vital step in planning to ensure that everyone is working together. They form the goalposts, boundaries, and milestones for where we want to be as an organisation. In life, as in football, you won't go far unless you know where the goalposts are. If we look to our sibling associations, the ARRL and the RSGB, we see some precedent. The ARRL last performed a strategic planning process in 2015, and before that, it was 2009. The ARRL published their strategic plan on their website, and the current plan, 2016 to 2020, is available at arrl.org slash arrl-strategic-plan. It's worth a read to understand what the ARRL has incorporated into their five-year plan. Over the pond, the Radio Society of Great Britain conducted a strategic planning process this year. Their strategy sets goals for 2017 through to 2022, and, interestingly, the RSGB conduct most of its consultations through online forums and polls, which enable them to collect quite a range of feedback quickly. Across the globe, other IARU members also now publish their five-year strategic plans. So what is it? Typically, a strategic planning process is top-down. It defines a mission, a vision in the context of values, the market and the environment, and from all of this information, strategic goals are defined, and within these goals, initiatives or tactics are articulated according to the organisation's priorities and capabilities. This can include pricing or product details. In turn, the WIA can use a strategic plan to help its staff, committees, members, clubs and volunteers drive the organisation forward so that they are rowing in the same direction. The plan helps all stakeholders know where our goalposts are and how to move towards them. The board is currently setting up the framework for a strategy committee that will oversee the planning process of the WIA strategy. Speaking of those initiatives or tactics, over the last two weeks we have been receiving many excellent ideas through informal channels. To give you an idea, on most days, barely an hour passes without an email or some type of contact about an idea or tactic that the WIA could pursue. Please keep those ideas coming. But please also just keep in mind that with the sheer volume of them, it may take board members a bit of time for us to get back to you. In the near term, those ideas will be fed into the strategic planning process via a consultation period. So the work on strategy sets us up for a solid set of opportunities that will grow the WIA going forward. But what about risks or weaknesses? The Australian Stock Exchange's Corporate Governance Council recommends several board subcommittees. Two of these are audit and risk. The ASX regards audit committees so highly that to list in the S&P or Ordinaries Index, an organisation must have one. The WIA doesn't intend to list on the ASX anytime soon, but 
Audit committees are good governance practice. So another action that we took from the last board meeting is to set up a committee that will review financial matters, audit and risk. This is a more formal committee that considers how the organisation is set up for managing risks, what could go wrong or to monitor if there is something going wrong. In some cases it will look backwards to learn from the past. So that's a little bit about how we're looking forwards, a little bit about how we're looking backwards, but what about now? Today there's three ways that you can help drive the institute forward. First, if people aren't enjoying themselves, then they'll simply opt out of the hobby. The WIA wants to build a strong community of members that are positive in supporting each other, its members and non-members. We are pursuing a positive culture that is constructive, encouraging and driven by curiosity. The RSGB have a value of pursuing enjoyment. The ARRL, one of engagement. So, Attend that local club meeting you've been meaning to. Make it fun and enjoyable for your fellow operators. Avoid destructive criticism. Have a laugh. Make some stretch goals and plans. Achieve something great together because together, with each of our interactions, making it fun and pursuing the love of the hobby will cause amateur radio's population to grow and we all benefit from that. Second, the WIA Spectrum Committee has a lot of work ahead of it in the coming weeks as it responds to two sets of consultation processes set up by the ACMA. The first is an update to the License Conditions Determination and the second is an update to the Radio Communications Bill. The timing of our submission is very short and we must get moving. Please ensure that you help the Spectrum Committee by offering help and by adding your name to the feedback to the consultation process. The first step of the LCD consultation and feedback process is currently up on the WIA website. And third, thank you volunteers that help make this hobby possible. Ask them how you can help at your local club or at the WIA. Give them a handshake and a wave whenever you next can just to say thank you. So that's a little bit about looking forwards, a little bit about looking backwards, and a little bit about what you can do now. I'll leave you with a thought for today that when it comes to radio... Happiness comes in ways. Have a great week. This has been David Ford, VK4, Mike Zulu. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. International news. No fake news here. The Great Windy Plains Radio Club of Kansas in the US was claimed to be mounting a de-expedition to a northern Korea. The article claimed the trip was to be in September. However, a WIA news check with the claimed author, Gary WB0RUR, found that the report in jest originally appeared on a ham radio humour page. And he says, is not entirely true, rather than being to Asia, it was to be the small town of Korea in Culpeper County, Virginia. Irish Pirate Radio Museum Ireland has a long and colourful pirate radio history dating back to the iconic events of 1916 and the world's first pirate radio broadcasts during the Easter Rising. For WIA listeners in the Emerald Isle, a meeting will take place at Brannigan's Pub just off O'Connell Street, Dublin, near the Pro Cathedral on June 7th, beginning at 7pm. The purpose of the meeting is to discuss plans for a gallery exhibition or a permanent pirate radio museum, how the radio memorabilia should be collected, archived and curated, and the most important question, how it should be funded. Weird and wonderful. NASA has admitted that one of its spaceships was struck by an unidentified flying object travelling as fast as a speeding bullet. 
It was way back in 2014. The Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter was hit by a tiny object, but lived to tell the tale. The Sun reports the collision caused a strange glitch in the LRO's cameras, causing it to produce images showing jagged patterns. Alien hunters spend hours poring over the probe's footage of the lunar surface and even claimed it's recorded evidence of alien bases on the moon. In this case, the LRO cameras did not dodge a speeding bullet, but rather survived a speeding bullet. NASA also revealed why it took so long to release details of the collision. Since the impact presented no technical problems for the health and safety of the instrument, the team is only now announcing this event as a fascinating example of how engineering data can be used in ways not previously anticipated to understand what's happening to the spacecraft over 236,000 miles from the Earth, said John Keller, LRO project scientist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. This explanation is unlikely to convince excitable UFO spotters who believe there are secret alien bases hidden on the moon. But most people will probably take NASA's explanation at face value. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1 WIA. Ham Radio Operational News, it's Contact Sport. I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. All major Australian contest rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. 2017. Yes, the VK Shires is fast approaching, in fact June 10 and 11. After the Shires test, it is the Trans-Tasman Low Band Contest 160-80-40. Saturday night, July 15, and start time is 08 hours UTC and finish time is 14 hours UTC. 10-10 International Summer Contest, August 5 and 6. VK1 Winter Soda QSO Party takes place August 6, 2017, 9am to 11.30am. WA's flagship contest, the Remembrance Day Contest, 12th and 13th of August. August 1920, IWW, the third full weekend in August since 1998. August 26, Alara Contest, start time 1600 hours. This is a 24 hour contest for YLs. IARU High Speed Telegraphy World Championships are the 8th to the 12th of September. October CQ WWDX SSV Contest, always October's last full weekend. Running all year till December 31, Victorian Local Government Award 2017 Challenge. Repeaters. Peter VK4OD looks after the data input on the VK HAM website for all the VK repeaters. The data there is only as accurate as is received from your repeater personnel. Recently, VK4OD was asked to update the data for the Brisbane VHF Group Beacons. If you'd like your site to reflect similar, just send a message to Alan VK2CA. His details are in the written word this week at wia.org.au. Friends Joseph Land. Members of the Russian Robinson Club are planning their next Arctic operation. Look for RI-1F to be active from Victoria Island. EU-190, sometime late September. This island group has never been activated. Activity will be on various HF bands. They plan to have up to 12 operators. QSL via the Bureau. Indian Ocean 6 meter EMED expeditions. Lance W7GJ will be active from the Indian Ocean to focus on 6 meters EME QSOs. West Island stroke Cocos Island as VK9CGJ between September the 12th and the 28th. Christmas Island as VK9XGJ between October the 2nd and the 18th. Interest in the June edition of Amateur Radio Magazine. The cover this month is Summits of the Air Activity with a picture of Nick VK3ANL on Mount Beckworth. In the WIA President's column, Phil VK2ASD reflects on handing over the reins. 
No doubt the new board will set its own initiatives and priorities, he says, but the groundwork has been done on many important issues. In technical articles, there are a two-transistor inductorless regenerative receiver by Peter VK3YE, a 20-metre band whisper beacon from Richard VK6TT, and an open-source software-defied radio by Justin VK7TW. An interesting piece entitled They Will Never Die is from Steve VK5AIM on the AVO multimeter. The contest column by Trent VK4TS looks at the Northern Corridor Radio Group of Western Australia that has been a stalwart in contesting for decades. The DX Awards from Mark VK3OHM has the top 30 in the DX Century Club for 2016. There's plenty of interesting reading in Amateur Radio Magazine that has 11 editions a year and is part of the WIA membership services. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hi, I'm Brian VK3GR with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News, starting with CW. And the Tableland Radio Group in Queensland has been setting up a telegraph display to restore some of the local history. Its latest venture is for the line that once connected Cooktown to Laura during the 1880s Palmer River Gold Rush. In the late 1880s, a railway was built to service the area, and the telegraph was moved to be alongside the railway line. The Laura Quinkin Centre now has a map of the telegraph route with a Morse key to operate a telegraph sounder as used by the telegraphists of yesteryear. The Table and Radio Group has five such units on display with the others at the Morton Telegraph Station, the Cohen Heritage House and the Cooktown History Centre. The Morse keys and sounders are likely around 100 years old and they reckon it's all about keeping our history alive. Now to Final Frontier, Aris mounts up school contacts. The latest amateur radio station on the International Space Station, ARIS, event was last Wednesday, May 31st, with the Australian Air League at Elizabeth in South Australia. It was via the Santa Rosa Junior College Amateur Radio Club, W6SRJ, Tallybridge, with astronaut Thomas Pisquet, KG5FYG, using the callsign NA1SS. In all, ARIS has had 1,140 school events that give students the excitement of talking directly with astronauts in orbit. Three ground-based mentors have made well over 100 such contacts each. These are Satoshi 7M3TJZ of Japan, Gaston ON4WF in Belgium, and Francesco IK0WGF from Italy. The Wireless Institute of Australia last month gave our ARIS coordinator Shane, VK4KHZ, its Chris Jones Award for Exceptional Contribution to Amateur Radio and the WIA. He was also receiving a 10-year ARIS certificate and estimates his station at Glendon in Queensland Mining Town has had about 40 or so contacts with them. Now, hot news this, the surface temperature of the sun is about 5,880 Kelvin or... 5,605 degrees Celsius, and the ambitious folk at NASA say they want to touch it. On Wednesday morning in the US, the space agency announced the details of NASA's first mission to fly directly into our sun's atmosphere. I'm sure they know what they're doing. 
The mission is set to launch in the middle of next year and will put NASA's Solar Pro Plus spacecraft into orbit within a 6.2 kilometre orbit of the sun's surface. Sure, they're not actually touching the surface, but in celestial terms, that's very close indeed. It eclipses the 1976 Helios 2 mission, which came within about 43 million kilometres of the sun's surface. Scientists hope the Probe Plus will unlock the mysteries of the sun's corona, a massive hole in the heart of the star. Experts know that the unstable corona is believed to be cooler than the sun's atmosphere, but have no idea why. It will also provide scientists with crucial insight that could help us prevent or at least prepare for a damaging solar weather event. The data it collects will also help in our ability to forecast major space weather events that could impact life on Earth, such as solar winds and solar flares, also known as mass ejections, that could reach Earth's atmosphere. DX may never be the same again if that happens. The spacecraft and its instruments will be protected by nearly 12 centimetre thick carbon composite shield to enable it to withstand temperatures of 1,377 degrees Celsius. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, it's 10 weeks away, and the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend will celebrate its 20th year this August. The Polish DX Club is marking the milestone anniversary under the special call sign 3Z20ILLW, with six club members at the Jaroslawicz Lighthouse. The four-storey brick tower lighthouse is Poland's oldest and has provided navigation for the Baltic Sea and the Vistula Lagoon. In West Malaysia, the Borneo Amateur Radio Club has Tinnegat Lighthouse for its first time in the premier fun event and will sign as 9M6SDX. There's nearly 200 entries, with Germany leading at 40, then Australia 25 and USA 20. There are 30 countries so far, including strong registrations from Canada, Holland and Sweden. Now to register, see past reports or read the simple guidelines for this weekend of August 19 and 20. Check out the dedicated website, ILLW. Now that's all I've got. I'm Brian, VK3GR from Melbourne, handing over to the ROATC and Clive. Go ahead. Hello everyone, this is Clive, VK6CSW. Tomorrow is the first Monday of the month. Time for the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia's monthly news and information bulletin. As well as all the usual ROTC news, tomorrow we have four items of interest. Australia's first licensed broadcaster wireless telegraphy in France, how does wireless charging work, and Australia's codebreakers in World War II. The principal HF transmission will be on 20 metres on 14.150 MHz upper sideband, starting at 0100 UTC, transmitted from Adelaide by Hans VK5YX. Callbacks to Hans would be greatly appreciated to assess coverage of this new transmission. An hour later at 0200 UTC, Chris VK6JI will repeat the program, transmitting from Perth on 40 metres on 7088 kHz lower sideband, simultaneously with a transmission via all linked NewsWest repeaters. Additionally, local relays also take place. Details can be found at the RAOTC website www.raotc.org.au and as from Tuesday, you can download the audio file from this website, together with other details about the club. Everyone, REOTC members and non-members alike, is invited to listen to this interesting half-hour of old-timer news and information, and we hope to hear your call sign amongst the callbacks afterwards. 
Tune in tomorrow for the RAOTC Monthly Bulletin. The weekend 21st to 22nd October will be the 60th year that Guides and Scouts will have participated in Jamboree on the Air using the magic of amateur radio. Hello again from Paul VK2GX. You must admit that amateur radio has seen many changes, most obvious being the overwhelming uptake in the use of digital modes over traditional analogue, especially during contests. Are you planning to set up a Jota radio station this year? Please give some consideration to utilising digital modes to enhance the on-air experience of our youth members. Echolink is a great way to connect to other Jota stations, either locally or in 150 countries worldwide, either using a local repeater which supports an Echolink or IRLP gateway, or by setting up your own Echolink gateway. An Echolink gateway is easy to set up and allows guides and scouts to use a conventional VHF or UHF transceiver to make contact with other Jota stations virtually anywhere. All you need is a basic FM transceiver, a basic computer running Windows XP or later, a simple interface between the computer and the transceiver, and a basic internet connection. D-Star is another network that can provide connections locally or worldwide, again either using a local D-Star repeater or by setting up your own D-Star gateway. Both an international and VK conference reflector is available. The DMR-MARC network is another great digital network to consider, with many repeaters located around Australia. The VK-MARC group has dedicated state-based talk groups set aside for JOTA operations. I would encourage everyone to make the 60th JOTA a year to remember for guides and scouts around Australia. If you'd like more information about digital modes I have mentioned, or about becoming involved in JOTA, please visit my website www.jota.sgars.org Now as we wrap up shop on the social scene this weekend, Teresa Creek Campout Day is happening. Also happening in VK3, the Melbourne Winter QRP by the Bay, that's at 3pm. Next weekend, the long weekend, June 10 to 11 in VK2, the Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club's 42nd Annual Field Day at Port Macquarie. June 10 to 11 in VK5, it's the SERG Annual Convention and the VK Fox Hunting Championships. Now, until next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.